بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد So continuing with this series of lectures on the topic of remedying the heavy and tight chest Let's have a recap of what we covered last week so based upon what we covered last week what is the greatest cause of bringing about alleviation relaxation to the chest what's the greatest cause of bringing about alleviation and relaxation to the chest yes my brother with tawheed alleviation of the chest, relaxation of the chest, the chest being freed and liberated from that tight, limited, constrained feeling that it has, the greatest means of attaining that alleviation is Tawheed. If it's the case that there's no Tawheed, it's not possible in any way, shape or form for you, the human being, to experience alleviation of the chest. Without Tawheed, any other avenue, any other method, it's absolutely useless. Regardless of what method you adopt, whether it's nutrition, I'm experiencing tightness in my chest right now. I'm experiencing a life that is tight and suffocating and hard. I want to be released from it. So then as some people say, Nutrition in certain aspects, it helps the person if he's suffering from some type of psychological problem, for example. Yes, that has some room, some space. But even if you have the best of nutrition and the best of vitamins and the best of minerals, and you're ensuring that you are not taking any type of toxic food into your, you're not consuming anything toxic. You're ensuring all the materials in your house, your furniture, none of it is made out of toxic materials, things that could affect the brain. Yes, it does have a place. But even if you had all of that, if there's no tawheed in your life, useless. All the effort that you're putting in, it's useless. You're not going to be able to attain that alleviation, that relaxation. Wealth. A person may have wealth upon wealth. Millionaire, multi-millionaire, billionaire. He might have much uh, real estate, possess buildings. Imagine that, possessing buildings upon buildings in different countries. He might even be a leader of a country, for example. A leader of a country, of a big, big, strong country. And he has buildings upon buildings that he owns and businesses that he owns. Perhaps in order to bring about that alleviation in his chest and that relaxation in his chest and to release the burden and the tightness that he feels inside of himself, he opens up a channel for himself. Because fame, people believe, fame and recognition and being recognized and getting respect from people, that's going to give me happiness. So he has maybe a channel or a program on TV. And on, by way of that channel and by way of that program, he becomes famous. 
He thinks this is going to bring me happiness. This is going to take that darkness that's inside of me. Even if you have wealth, a billionaire, even if you have fame and fortune, even if you have position, a leader, for example, of a country, but when you look at his face, you see nothing other than the signs of misery and gloom on his face. Why do you find this? He's got everything. Money, power, status, recognition. But because he doesn't have this thing here, a tawheed, because he doesn't have this in his heart, it's not possible for him to attain any type of alleviation. It's not possible for her to attain any type of relaxation for his or chest. So tawheed, that is the main cause. And if you think about it, it makes sense. How, how, would it be, how is it intellectually and logically possible for you to have a life that is happy and relaxed if you're not fulfilling the purpose behind life itself? Just the other day, I was speaking to an individual. Just the other day, this, earlier on this week. I was speaking to an individual and I asked him. The conversation led to me asking him. Do you believe in a creator? He said, initially he said, I'm not religious. So then it led to the conversation. It led to me asking him, do you believe in, what, what's your belief concerning a creator and how you came into existence? He said, no, I don't believe in anything of that, of that, of that nature. I don't believe in a God. I said, but then how did everything that's in existence come into existence? The stars, the skies, the galaxy, you. How did all of this come into existence? goes evolution so I said okay without going into that that's just the process by which things have apparently come into existence even though we know that's a bottle false theory but that's just a process in terms of how what's the is there an external agent is there someone else who is who is the one that brought this so-called evolutionary process into into being he says in his broad Lancashire accent, not to say that there's anything wrong with the Lancashire accent, you're all very nice people, but he says books upon books upon books. books. Meaning, just like you have a book, it starts off with a word, doesn't it? And then expands into a sentence, and then expands into a paragraph, and then it expands into a chapter, and, then, and so on and so forth. So he's basically saying books upon books upon books. He says, obviously not a, an academic answer, but he says books upon books upon I didn't entertain that. I just, we were in a vehicle, and there was a bridge in front of us. So while we're on the road, and he says to me, books upon books upon books, I said, look at that bridge that's right in front of you. I said, that bridge, does it sound reasonable for me to say that that bridge came into existence by nothing? He said, no, obviously, somebody, somebody's made it. Obviously, obviously, somebody's made it. I said, that bridge there. Obviously, somebody's made it. Obviously, somebody's brought it into existence. Somebody's designed it. Yet, this universe, which is more complex than that bridge, and you, the human being, which is more complex than that bridge, nothing brought you into existence? You know what he says to me? And this is what everybody says, don't they? Of that belief. But every time they say it, and you think about their answer, it's a shock. How can, how can you say this? What does he say to me when I give him that 
example of the bridge. Logically, it doesn't make sense for it to come into existence by nothing but you, the human being. Has to come into existence by nothing. You know what he says? He says, oh, well, I've never really looked into it that deeply, you know. I've never, really, I've never really given it that much thought. That's frightening. That is scary. How is it possible for a human being not to give thought about why he is here in the first place? He, he would never, if it, if it was the case that he woke up one day and he's in a plane, he wakes up, he finds himself in a plane flying up in altitude. What's the first thing that he's going to ask? What am I doing here? Why am I here? Who put me here? Naturally, it's the first thing that the person's going to ask. What am I doing here? Why am I here? Who put me here? What does he want from me? If that person wakes up in the plane and everybody is around him, one person's reading a book, another person's walking up and down the aisle, he says, what am I doing here? Who put me here? They say, just don't worry about it. What am I doing here? Who put me here? These aren't important questions. Just enjoy yourself. Enjoy yourself. Read a book. Have some fish. Go up and down the aisle. Go to the cockpit. See what the pilot is doing. He'd say, you're crazy. Who put me here? What am I doing here? This is somebody who wakes up in the plane. What about the person who... who, who what about the person who's in this life? And he doesn't ask himself. Uh, so what do these people do? They engage themselves in the love of this dunya. They engage themselves in running around this dunya, being heedless towards why they are here and what is the reason behind they are here. Why? Because thinking about why you are here. That is something, if a person thinks about it and he ponders about it, is going to make him realize that there is an external being that is beyond this creation and I have to give him his due. So these type of people, they live a life where they are heedless as to why they are here. They're blind as to why they are here. There is no tawheed in their hearts and that is a scary reality to be in. How scary, much more scary can it be than living and not knowing why you're living. Being here and not knowing why you're being here. It's scary. Because of that, these are the people who have the tightest of chests. For that reason, this person who I had to spend you know, a vast amount of the day with, half or quarter of the day with, we were in a vehicle, and throughout the whole time, this person, he is miserable. 63-year-old man, 63-year-old man, grandfather, and he's miserable. Anybody that came in front of our way on the road, he was he was uttering that type of foul language that I didn't even know that was possible to be able to produce these type of swear words. He was producing such creative foul language, it was beyond my imagination. A 63-year-old man, if an old woman came in front of the vehicle that we were in, he would end up swearing and what have you, miserable. What's the reason behind him being miserable? He owned properties. He has different types of Vehicles that he owns, trucks and what have you. He goes on holiday to this place, Scotland. He goes sailing and what have you. Nice, cushy lifestyle. However, because of the fact that the primary reason and the primary cause of bringing about peace and alleviation in a man and a woman's chest is devoid in him. Because of that, the man was miserable. Allah 
miserable. So the point being, Ikhwam, the point being that Tawheed, that is the primary cause and the primary reason of a chest being expanded. Tayyab. This Tawheed, that is the primary reason, the primary cause, and the fundamental cause of a person's chest being expanded. Is it stationary or does it go up and down? Does it increase and decrease? Or is it, is it just stationary? Anybody? Besides, what's your name, brother? Yeah, say that again, sorry? Jazan. Jazak, mashallah. Jazakallah khair, naam. Tayyib, anybody besides brother Jazak? Ah, Isa. Barakallah feek. Tawheed, it goes up. And Tawheed, it goes down. The more knowledge that you have of Tawheed, the greater your Tawheed is. Less knowledge that you have, then relatively speaking, you'll be less. The more that you act by Tawheed and implement Tawheed and observe and actualize that Tawheed, greater will your Tawheed be. The more that you make da'wah to Tawheed, call to Tawheed, preach at Tawheed, and the greater will your Tawheed be. Relative to that, if it's less, your da'wah is less, your Tawheed will be less. The more patient you are in relation to this Tawheed, Worshipping Allah requires patience. Calling and preaching to Tawheed requires patience. The more patient you are, the greater and the stronger will your Tawheed be, and the more perfect your Tawheed it will be. So in proportion to how strong and increased and perfect your Tawheed is, in proportion to that, your chest will proportionately be expanded. And if it's the case that your chest uh, if it's the case that your Tawheed is weak, your Da'wah to Tawheed is weak, your implementation to Tawheed is weak, your Sabr in regards to Tawheed, it is weak, then in proportion to that, the alleviation of your chest, it will be weaker. The tight the to your chest will be in proportion to how weak you are in your Tawheed. In connection to this, there was a statement that we mentioned from Ibn al-Qayyim in another book of his, Mudarij uh, al-Salikin, Concerning which group of people have the most perfect of Tawheed. So Tawheed, as we said, is of, as far as it being perfect is concerned, the ulama is split into two categories, as far as Tawheed being perfect. You have the asal of Tawheed, without which there is, no, there is no iman, there is no Islam, belief in Allah, in His existence, in His Lordship, in His names and attributes, and in His... A uh, 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 right of worship. If a person he says, I disbelieve in Allah's existence, there's no tawheed. I disbelieve in Allah's names and attributes, no tawheed. I disbelieve in Allah's right of worship, there's no tawheed. I disbelieve in Allah's rububiyah, his lordship, that is no tawheed. So that's the entry point. That is the door into tawheed. That is the starting point of tawheed. Al Iman billah. But then after that, tawheed can increase. And it gets to a point, uh, what are the two categories category that the ulama have mentioned concerning? Perfection of Tawheed. So you enter into Tawheed, that is what is, that is, that is what is يعني, uh, uh, the asal of Tawheed, the foundation of Tawheed. But then that Tawheed, it should be perfected. Who can remember the two categories of Tawheed as far as it being perfect is concerned? Adam, you weren't here last week. MashaAllah, shuf. Tayyid, Fadr Akhi. Tawheed Kamal Al Wajib, naam. Tawheed Kamal, uh, yani Kamal al-Tawheed al-Wajib wa Kamal al-Tawheed al-Mustahab. 
Mm. So that's the Arabic. Who can explain it in English? Kamal al-Tawheed al-Wajib and Kamal al-Tawheed al-Mustahab. And obviously these terms, we're kind of familiar with them, even if we don't know Arabic. Tafadhal ya Idris, barakallahu feek. Ahsant, barakallahu feek. So Kamal al-Tawheed al-Wajib, the perfection of your Tawheed, that perfection which is Wajib, is you, yani, fulfilling the commands of Allah, abstaining from the prohibitions. Huh? Keeping away from the Kaba'ir, keeping away from the major sins. And obviously keeping away, yani, Adam al-Israr ala sagair Not perpetuating uh, minor sins, not, perpetu not being consistent in committing minor sins, not consi consistently committing minor sins. Why? Because everybody sins. All of the sons of Adam sin. The messenger said, But the best of the sinners are those who repent. So everybody sins. But what is required is that a person, he engages in al-istighfar, and a tawbah. He engages in seeking forgiveness from Allah and repenting to Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when a person keeps away from the kaba'ir, keeps away from the major sins, he isn't persistent and continuous in committing uh, minor sins, but rather he accompanies that sin that he commits. Rather he, 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 he um, has part and parcel of his daily routine, seeking forgiveness of Allah. As Allah's Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, Ibn Umar anhuma, he said concerning him, we used to count in the sitting, in a single sitting with the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam, that he would say 100 times, Rabbi wa tub alayya, innaka anta tawabur rahim. Oh my Lord, forgive me and accept my repentance. Indeed, you are the one who accepts repentance. You are the most merciful. So the point is, is that Tawheed al-Wajib, the perfection of your Tawheed that is Wajib for you to fulfill, is you keeping away from the major sins, and not being persistent and continuous in committing smaller sins, accompanying that with istighfar, seeking forgiveness from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is Tawheed al-Wajib. Tawheed, uh, Kamal al-Tawheed al-Wajib, perfection of one's Tawheed as far as the recommended perfection is concerned, and that is you performing the non-obligatory voluntary deeds in addition to Tawheed al-Wajib. So concerning this, uh, we mention a statement of Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala as far as perfection of Tawheed is concerned. There's a group of people whose Tawheed is the most perfect. Ibn al-Qayyim, he makes a mention of them. Does anybody remember that group of people about whom Ibn al-Qayyim makes a mention? Ayyub! Hayakallah, tafadl. Before that, Ayyubarakalafi. Before that. Before that. So that's, yes, that's the inner circle. But prior to that, Ibn al Qayyim makes a mention of a more broader category of people, bigger group of people that have the most perfect form of tawheed. Ah, anybody remember? Kif? The messengers, <laughs> even before that. La, la, 
a, a broader category within which the messengers are part of. But there's a broader category. The prophets, the prophets. Prophets, they are the ones who have uh, they are the ones who have the most perfect uh, form of tawheed. Now, among the prophets is another category of people whose tawheed is more perfect than the prophets. Who are they? The messengers, the rusul. Okay? Now, among the messengers, there's another category of people, another inner group, another, another inner category, whose tawheed is more perfect than the other messengers. They are the ulul azm. Ayub, can I come back to you? Who are the ulul azm? You were about to mention them. Not Adam alayhi salam. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi salam. He is from the ulul azm, the five strong-willed messengers. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi salam. Eh? Ibrahim alayhi salam. Eh? Musa alayhi salam. So you give me, uh, uh, you give Muhammad, Ibrahim, and Musa alayhi salam. Yes? I'll give you a clue. Okay, first messenger. La, first messenger, so the difference. We can perhaps go into that later. But he was a messenger. He was sent to a disbelieving people. Huh? Nuh alayhi salam. Where's Abdurrahman? 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 Abdurrahim. Abdurrahim, huh? Abdurrahim. We've had Nuh, sorry. He's, he's beat you. Isa alayhi salam. Okay? So those are the five ulil azm. <coughs> that among the category of messengers have the most perfect. Um, form of, uh, perfect form of Tawheed Among these five messengers There are two other messengers Whose Tawheed is more perfect Than the other three well, The three their Tawheed is perfect But obviously we said Tawheed increases become More perfect and more perfect So among these five there's two Whose Tawheed is more perfect Than the other three Tafadali Akhi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam the two Khalils of Allah, the two close friends of Allah. These two had the more perfect Tawheed in comparison to the other three because of what they established of Tawheed, called Tawheed, had of Tawheed, were patient in concerning Tawheed. And obviously among these two, the one who had the most perfect Tawheed was whom? Our Messenger Nabiun Al-Kareem, Muhammad ibn Abdullah alayhi salatu wasalam. So after we've, done, we, we've uh, covered that, I believe, did we stop at that point, yeah? We stopped at that point. It's already half an hour. But revision is important, Ikhwan. It's better to consolidate information, consolidate what we learn, and then move on, than to just move forward without making sure that we've retained what we learned previously. So there on after, Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he goes on to say, concerning the fact, uh, he says, When nas yatafawatuna fi tawheed, وَعَلَىٰ حَسْبِ كَمَالِ هَذَا التَّوْحِيدِ وَقُوَّتِهِ وَزِيَادَتِهِ يَكُونُ إِنْ شِرَاحُ صَدْرِ صَاحِبِهِ He says that people, they vary in levels concerning this Tawheed and in accordance to the perfection of this Tawheed and the strength of that person's Tawheed and the increase of that person's Tawheed does that person's chest proportionately expand. This is the commentary of Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami. You're not going to find it in... This booklet here. This booklet is a translation of Ibn al-Qayyim's uh, uh, kalam. Ibn al-Qayyim's kalam, his statement. Okay, so Sheikh Muhammad al-Jami, he's commenting upon, he's commenting upon page one, 
This is Sheikh Muhammad Imam Al-Jami's commentary upon the first bit here, the first two and a half lines over here, okay? So thereon after Sheikh Muhammad Imam Al-Jami, he says, وَهَذَا شَيْءٌ يَعْلَمُهُ الْإِنسَانِ مِنْ نَفْسِهِ This is something that a person knows from his own self. That Tawheed is something that increases and de decreases. You know this yourself. He says, زِيَادَةُ iman, وَنَقْصُ iman, وَقُوَّةُ iman." He says, the increase of Iman, the decrease of Iman, the strength of Iman, the weakness of Iman, the strength of your Tawheed, the weakness of your Tawheed. If a person studied, observed, reflected, upon his own internal condition concerning these matters, he would end up being aware of this and he would realize this. He would realize if a person was to look at his condition, just your own condition. One day your Iman is strong, your Tawheed is strong. Next day your Tawheed is weak. Your, your Iman is weak. One day your Tawheed is increased. Next day your Tawheed, it feels as though it has decreased. So Sheikh Muhammad Imam al-Jami, he says concerning this, These are symptoms that befall every single human being. Everybody experiences these symptoms of one day having strong Iman, next day having weak Iman. One day a person's Tawheed, it is perfect. Next day he feels that it's deficient. Every single person, every single human being, he experiences and he feels and he tastes these symptoms, not just from one day to another, but as Ibn al-Qayyim he says concerning a يعني, similar matter concerning the nafs and the nafs al-lawama, يعني, the blaming soul and the, uh, the uh, nafs al-ammarah the soul that commands with evil, and nafs al-mutma'inna, the soul that is tranquil, concerning these states that a person goes through, of having a soul that is tranquil by being close to Allah, of having a soul that commands with evil because it, it, it inclines towards evil. Ibn al-Qayyim, he mentions that this type of condition a person undergoes, fluctuating from one type of soul to another type of soul, one day to another. Perhaps he said in one day, a person, his soul may fluctuate. One minute his soul is amara, bisu. Another, and then yani later on, within a few hours, his soul, it is commanding him with good. It's tranquil and peaceful. At one moment, even, a person's soul, it may change. One minute, it is at peace with Allah, remembering Allah. And within a split second, his soul, it changes. It, start, it starts to uh, incite him towards evil. The point is, Shaykh is saying, These are symptoms that befall every single individual. Because strength and weakness, strength of Iman, and weakness in your Iman, they don't just pop out of the blue. Your Iman doesn't just become strong out of the blue without any factors. Your Iman doesn't just end up dropping and becoming weak without any cause. No. Strength in Iman and weakness in Iman, there are causes. There are causes that lead to it becoming strong or becoming weak. أَسْبَابُ ضَعْفِ التَّوْحِيدِ وَنُقْصَانِ التَّوْحِيدِ وَضَعْفِ الْإِيمَانِ وَنُقْصَانِ الْإِيمَانِ الْمَعَاصِي وَالْإِعْرَادِ عَنِ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى So the causes of a, per of a person's tawheed becoming weak, 
The causes of a person's tawheed becoming deficient. The causes of a person's iman becoming weak, his iman becoming deficient is what? What are the causes? What's the reason, the factor that causes your iman to become weak until you feel really sad and down and depressed? What's the thing that causes your iman to become weak? What's the thing that causes your tawheed to become decreased? Al-ma'asi, sinning. Turning away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're in a position, you're in a state, you're in a circumstance whereby you have the choice either to obey Allah, disobey Allah. Use your hand in obedience of Allah, use your hand in disobedience to Allah. Use your tongue in obedience to Allah or disobey Allah. You're in a situation where your eye, you have the choice now. To disobey Allah using this eye of yours or to not disobey Him. But you turn away from Allah. You turn away from the command of Allah and you disobey Him using your eye. Or you disobey Him using your tongue. Or you disobey Him using your ear, your listening, or your hand or your feet. You disobey your Lord. What happens after that? Whenever you sin against Allah, do you feel satisfied with yourself? Never do you feel satisfied with yourself. When you disobey Allah, what overcomes you? Regret. Why did I do that? It wasn't worth it. What was the point of doing so? So the iman, it decreases. Tawheed, it decreases. And as a result to that, the, che- the tightness, in the chest of occur- of a, um, tightness in the chest occurs as a result of having disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَأَسْبَابُ قُوَّةِ الْإِيمَانِ وَقُوَّةِ التَّوْحِيدِ وَزِيَادَةِ الْإِيمَانِ وَزِيَادَةِ التَّوْحِيدِ الطَّاعَةِ وَالْإِمْتِثَالِ إِذَا كَانَتِ الطَّاعَةِ عَلَى وِفْقِ مَا جَاءَ بِهِ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ So that is concerning the avenues and the means and the causes of Tawheed and Iman decreasing. Now Sheikh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he mentions to us the reasons and the causes of Iman increasing, of Tawheed becoming stronger, Tawheed becoming increased. And what is the cause of your Tawheed becoming increased? The reason and the cause of your Tawheed is becoming increased and your Iman becoming strong is obeying Allah and submitting to Him, submitting to the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as long as it is in accordance, submitting to Him as long as it's in accordance with the Sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi we all know this. When you go on Umrah, everybody's, uh, a person goes on Umrah is WhatsApping or maybe uh, texting, Akhi, I'm loving it here. Akhi, I want to hide. Akhi. Uh, why? Because when anybody goes for Umrah, regardless of what his condition is back in the UK or wherever he is from, he's going there not to eat al hopefully. He's going there in order to perform Umrah to get closer to his Lord. So because of that, his iman is naturally going to increase. Uh, tears from a man, tears from a man who in the UK, perhaps he's got a hard heart. He goes, Umrah, khalas, tears, he's, we- he's weeping like a baby. Why? Because this is what ta'a uh, produces. Ta'a, obeying Allah, it produces an increase and a strength in the iman. Then a Shaykh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he goes on to say, Nahnu nadhkuru ma'a quwati tawheed wa ba'fi tawheed you're going to find right now here, the Shaykh is saying that uh, you would have noticed, you would have noticed 
that while we're mentioning Tawheed, the strength of Tawheed, weakness of Tawheed, then at the same time we're also making a mention of Iman, strength of Iman, weakness of Iman, as though they are synonymous in meaning, uh, as though they're synonyms, uh, as though they are synonymous in meaning. So the Shaykh is saying, why are we saying this? Why is it the case that when we are mentioning Tawheed, increase and decrease of Tawheed, at the same time we're mentioning Iman, increase and decrease in Iman, as though they are synonymous in meaning. He's saying we're saying this because Iman, Iman, the essence of, uh, the essence of Iman, haqiqatuha ta'zeemur rabbi subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَحَبَّةَ اللَّهِ وَتَعْظِيمَ أَوَامِرِهِ The essence of Iman is what? The essence of Iman is making ta'zeem of Allah, magnifying and glorifying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, loving Allah and respecting the commands of Allah, respecting and honoring the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is the essence of Iman. Glorifying Allah and honoring the commands of Allah and loving Him Azza wa Jal. So then the Shaykh he says, هَذِهِ الْأُمُورِ هَذِهِ الْأُمُورِ يعني التعظيم الله ومحبة الله وتعظيم أوامر الله هذه الأمور تنتج إفراد الله سبحانه وتعالى بالعبادة وعدم الالتفات إلى سواه وإفراده في أسمائه وصفاته these characteristics, these qualities that are from the essence of Iman, loving Allah, honoring and glorifying and magnifying Allah and the commands of Allah, these qualities, if they are in the heart, what's going to happen? They are going to produce something. They're going to result in something. What are they going to produce? What are they going to result in? Tawheed. If your heart is a heart that has ta'zeem of Allah and the commands of Allah, love of Allah, it won't be able to help except have tawheed, produce a tawheed, singling out Allah in worship, singling out Allah in lordship, singling out Allah in what is specific to Him. Your heart won't be able to help but do this and it won't be able to help but turn to nobody other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you have this in your heart. And this is what Iman is. This is what Iman is. So the Shaykh essentially is saying that the essence of Iman is ta'zeem of Allah, ta'zeem of awamirillah, muhabbat Allah, glorifying Allah, glorifying the commands of Allah, loving, loving Allah. This is the essence of Iman. And what does it produce? It produces a tawheed. So for that reason, the Shaykh is making a mention of them alongside each other. <clears throat> so we'll just finish off with this little bit here and then we'll conclude next week. So then after that the Shaykh he quotes the ayah, the ayah that Ibn al-Qayyim quotes in the actual text. Is he whose chest Allah has expanded, opened up towards Islam? Is he whose chest Allah has opened up and expanded towards embracing Islam. It's not the case that your chest has been expanded towards Islam. 
because Allah owes you a favor, because you've done something, and then Allah has given you something to pay you back. La, Allah. That is a fadl from Allah. It's a favor from Allah. It's a favor and a blessing from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if it is the case that you happen to be one of those people from the six point whatever billion people upon the earth whose chest Allah has expanded towards Islam, then you are upon nur from your Lord. You are upon light from your Lord. The ayah in Surah Al-An'am, ayah 125. So Shaykh Muhammad Aman al-Jami, he says concerning this, مَنْ شَرَحَ اللَّهُ صَدْرَهُ لِلْإِسْلَامِ عَلَى نُورٍ مِّنْ رَبِّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى فَقَدْ نَوَّرَ اللَّهُ قَلْبَهُ Whoever's chest Allah has expanded towards Islam, he is upon light from Allah, he is upon light from his Lord, the glorified, the most high. Allah has indeed enlightened his heart, put nur inside of him, nur inside his heart. يَعْبُدَ اللَّهَ this type of person, he worships Allah as though he sees him. Why and how? How is it the case that this person worships Allah as though he sees him? Because of the shiddah of his muraqaba, because of the intensity of his muraqaba, the intensity of him being conscious that Allah is watching him, that Allah is watching him and seeing him and well aware of what he does. So the person whose heart Allah opens up to Islam, his chest opens up to Islam, Allah grants him nur. Allah places nur inside of his heart. And thus that person, because of that nur, he's worshipping Allah as though he sees him. Allah grants him muraqaba. He grants him that characteristic of being conscious that Allah is watching him and as a result of that that person is worshiping Allah upon he's worshiping Allah as though he sees him ta'ala the one in whose heart Allah places nur Allah gives him uns with him Allah gives him uns billahi subhanahu wa ta'ala a sense of being close to Allah a sense of being in the company of a close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that closeness with Allah Jalla wa'az, that uns, he gives you that uns, that familiarity with him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Someone that is your friend, he's your anis. Somebody that you sit with, uh, you have problems in your life, you tell him your problems. Close companion, someone that sits with you and he talks with you and he's your close friend. Uh, you experience uns by being with him. So the one in whose heart Allah puts nur inside of his heart, Allah provides him with uns billahi tabaraka wa ta'ala. He provides him with that sense of being close with him subhanahu wa ta'ala. فَإِذَا اِعْتَرَتْهُ أَعْرَاضٌ بَشَرِيَّةٌ لَا بُدَّ مِنْهَا فَحَسَّ بِالْوَحْشَةِ وَفَرَّ إِلَى اللَّهِ يُخَلِّصَهُ مِنْ شَرِّ نَفْسِهِ وَهَوَاهِ So when it is the case that this type of person whose chest Allah has expanded towards Islam and he's put nur in your heart, when this type of person he experiences those symptoms that every single human being experiences. Sinning. He sins. Huh? And thus, as a result of that, the iman, it goes, it becomes weakened. When the human being that Allah has placed nur in his heart ends up being afflicted with these symptoms that every human being is afflicted with, what happens? 
And the person whose heart Allah has placed nur in, when he sins, what do you feel? What do you sense? What happens to you? He says, Sheikh Muhammad Imam al-Jami, he says, Ahassa bil He feels alone. He feels alone and in a place of, he feels remote. Alone and lonely. You feel lonely. Why? Because who is it the one that you're sinning against? You're sinning against the one that you feel the most close to. He put nur in your heart. You ended up feeling close to him. And now while he's watching you, you sin against him. All of a sudden you feel lonely. You feel isolated. You feel remote. Wafarra ilallah. And the person then he runs back to Allah. He escapes back to Allah. He runs back to Allah. Why? Allah placed nur in your heart. You sinned against him. And thus you feel alone and by yourself and lonely and remote. And thus you ended up fleeing to Allah. Why? So then Allah himself can save you. Allah himself can rescue you. Allah can salvage you from the evil of yourself and the evil of your desires. Tayyib, as we said, we want to keep these, uh, these um, sittings uh, small and brief. Not small and brief, sorry, but uh, to 40 minutes, 45 minutes. Keep them brief. Uh, not go too long. Why? Because that uh, will aid and facilitate retention of what we are covering. So uh, unless there is anything else that needs to be clarified from what we've discussed today or repeated, then we shall conclude at this point. Okay. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we believe in His oneness, His tawheed. Tawheed, uh, find various different definitions of them. All of them are synonymous in meaning. From them is Tawheed Allah bima yakhtassu bihi. Tawheed of Allah in what is specific to Him. Excuse me. And then you have other definitions. From them is the, uh, or rather the categorization now. The categorization of what Allah is unique in Allah, يعني, what Allah is unique in, what Allah, we're singling out Allah in what is unique to Him, specific to Him. So now that is broken down into categories, three categories. The first category is Tawheed al Rububiyyah. So, who from the uh, brothers that are attending can define as to what Tawheed al Rububiyyah is? Who can define as to what Tawheed al Rububiyyah is? Raise your hand. Nobody knows? Ah, mashallah, that's what we're talking about. Fadl ya akhi. Did you raise your hand, sah? You raised your hand? <laughs> no, you didn't raise your hand. All right, sorry. Fadl ya akhi. Yeah. So the oneness of Allah, the uniqueness of Allah, the unicity of Allah, and His Lordship. So what does that mean, the Lordship of Allah? Specifically, what are, what are we referring to? Hands up. Anybody else? Who else? Only two? Only three? Four? Ah, what's your name? Abdullah. Abdullah. Tawheed al-Rububiyyah. One of Allah in his lordship. What's that in relation to? Attributes, that's a different category. So you're on the right lines. That's a different category. It's a different category. But it's Tawheed, you're right. 
Anybody else? So we have a Londoner and we have a Mancunian. <laughs> but we don't, any, any, what's the word, Boltonians? Boltonians, eh? Anybody from Bolton? Anybody from Bolton? Anything that comes from Allah? Provision. Okay. Sustain. Okay. The, 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 ulama, the, the ulama, they give us three, uh, uh, يعني, uh, three aspects of Tawheed al-Rubiyat. Father Sheikh Ali. Okay. In khalq, in mulk, and tadbir. Okay. Who can give that? Who can translate that? Khalq, mulk, tadbir. So we specify, we um, single out Allah. Huh? In khalq, in mulk, and tadbir. Somebody who hasn't answered. Anybody? I'm not going to bite your head off, Ikhwan. Tafadhal, ya what's your name? Haytham, Haytham, tafadhal. He's a lord in khalq. What does khalq mean? Creating, in mulk. Owning. Nobody else has a share in ownership of the of everything that is besides him other than him subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay? Third one, a tadbir. Big mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. Ayyub. Eh, tadabbar, which means which word in English? Reflecting that. Tadbir, tadbir, yani managing, right? Management of the creation, uh, administering the creation, uh, management of the creation, tadbir, uh, management and administering the universe. Okay, <coughs> the rain coming down. So Allah, He possesses everything that exists. That's tawheed of His rububiya, and yani as far as His as far as mulk is concerned, the characteristic or the aspect of possession is concerned. He's a sovereign owner of everything. Nobody has a share. Khalq, he's the one that created everything from non-existence. Nobody has a share in creating anything besides Allah from nothing. Nobody has a share in creating the creation other than Allah. And tadbir, managing this creation. Sending down the rain, producing the vegetation, the wind. Us breathing, us, us, us existing, and everything that exi is in existence, managing it, uh, is the something that is specific to Allah. Nobody has a share in that regard. So that's Tawheed al-Rububiyya. That is Tawheed al-Rububiyya. Tawheed of Allah and His Lordship. The second category is Tawheed al-Uluhiyya. So the oneness of Allah in His worship. What's that defined as? Tawheed, broadly speaking, Tawheed Allah bima yakhtassu bihi. Singling out Allah in what is specific to Him. Then we break it down into three categories Tawheed al Rububiyya, Tawheed al Uluhiyya. This oneness of Allah in worship, what does it mean? Yes, all worship, it belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and nobody has a right of worship being directed to Him. Other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nobody has a right. So, yani singling out Allah. With worship, singling out Allah in worship. Allah Next third third category. What's the third category? 
Anybody else? We didn't hear Uncle Shafiq give the answer. Anybody? Father Sheikh Abdurrahman. Al-Asma'u-Sifat. Names and attributes. The names of Allah and the attributes of Allah. That's obviously a detailed discussion. Books have been written on it. But in summary, to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as far as names and attributes are concerned, Allah has beautiful names. Allah has perfect and sublime, sublime attributes. Those names of His, those attributes of His are specific to Him. Nobody has any share in that regard. There is no resemblance to Him in regards to those names and attributes. So we believe in them. We affirm them without negating them, without giving them allegorical meanings. Without delving into the nature of those attributes, how are those attributes? How is the face of Allah? How is the shin of Allah? How is the and so on and so forth? And likewise, fourthly, without resembling them to creation. So that is the third attribute. Is that okay? Anything else? Allah, so next week, basically, we will be, uh, continue with this um, section concerning. The uh, يعني, there's a statement from Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala I was going to mention it today but just to uh, يعني, not to go not to be too heavy we'll mention the statement from Ibn al-Qayyim concerning al-Muraqaba next week and then uh, the two types of hidayah hidayah guidances of two types and likewise the khidlan of Allah to the abd Allah forsaking the slave Allah abandoning the slave and يعني, and the fact that shirk that is the greatest cause of Tightness and suppression of the chest. A tawheed is the greatest cause of alleviation and expansion of the chest. Shirk, therefore, is the greatest cause of your chest becoming tight. Hence that person, that 63-year-old man the other day that I had spent that duration of time with, he was, you know, extremely miserable. Anybody that comes on the road, and that's just obviously, we all know, we all, we all live here, we all know that the person who is engaged in al-kufr wa shirk billah subhanahu wa ta'ala he is living the most depressing of life we don't say this to mock them la we don't say this to mock them or have you la we say this we are we want guide we want guidance for these type of people we want guidance for these type of people طيب اخوان next week we'll continue wa billahi tawfiq wallahu ta'ala alam wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin